Welcome to the Tool Shed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From the MLB draft all the way to the show, we're here to help give you the edge in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. Welcome into episode 188 of the Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Chris Clegg, and joined with me is my 80 grade co host, who's normally the main host, Mr. Eric Cross. Eric, how are you today? Well, my voice, as everyone can hear, and as I tweeted about earlier today, sounds like junk. It's a 30 grade voice right now. It's my voice is the equivalent of like Byron Buxton's durability on out of a Domondesi's, you know, hit tool, something like that. But yeah, doing the old switcheroo so I can talk a little less and save my voice a little bit. But outside of that, I'm doing doing pretty good. Getting ready to get into the warm weather pretty soon here. Down in the southeast, it's snowing and cold here. So I'm really looking forward to getting down to some hot, some warmer weather and watch some more baseball. And we got a really fun episode today. Yeah, for sure. Florida will be really nice. I will definitely miss seeing all of you there. Hope you have a good trip down there. But we've got a great episode in store. Before we get there, the normal housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Roto Clegg. Eric is at Eric Cross 4 Our podcast is at The Tool Shed Pod. And if you enjoy the podcast, we ask if you would please rate and review. It goes a long way in helping our podcast grow. We just had our biggest month ever in January. We're looking to build on that success all year, and your support goes a long way. So we appreciate that. Be sure to check out Eric's Patreon for more of his work, and check out my Substack for more of my work. Before we get into the show, we do want to say a quick word about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. If you sign up for Underdog using the promo code Toolshed, you'll receive a 100% deposit match up to $100 that can be used for any of their great fantasy games, which includes MLB best balls, individual player pickums across all sports, and so much more. And I can just say that Underdog is a great platform. I enjoy playing on it myself, not only the best balls, but the pickums. Can't wait for that to start with baseball. Obviously, that's my thing, but you can do it for any sport, which is a great part. So sign up today. Use their code Toolshed at play.underdogfantasy dash p dash the dash toolshed so sign up today underdog fantasy using the code toolshed let's get into the episode last episode if you listened we did our prospect crystal ball where we projected our top prospects for 2024 and today we're sticking with the same theme but going with the dynasty aspect so we're actually going to look three years out at our projected top dynasty players that includes prospects so all players in the player pool that we think will be at the top of each position in 2026 preseason. So three years from now, who will be at the top? It's going to be a really fun discussion. There's going to be a lot of names. There's going to be people who switch positions, and we may have those that we don't agree on. We do not know who put who where. These are blind, but we're going to go into it. We're going to start with a catcher position, which is getting better. It's still not great. And you know, looking at it, I was a bit concerned about the depth maybe three years from now and who would be taking those spots in which prospects could take the jump. So I'll be interested to see who Eric has in his top five. And I'll start with you. Who do you have? Who are your five catchers that you think will be the top catchers in 2026? Dude, this was so hard. I wanted to put like nine guys in the top five. Had to narrow it down, obviously. So I do think the guys that are not going to be in here, I think JT I think JT will still be good. He'll be 35 then. So that's obviously, I think he's, he'll be more like that 6-10 to 10 range. Same thing with Varsha. I think he's not going to be three years from now. I don't think he'll have catcher eligibility. So I took him out. But my top five, going 5-1, to one, I have Austin Wells at five. I've been riding this Austin Wells train. I'm going to stick with it. I think he debuts later this year. So he'll be in, going into his, what, that'll be his third full year in 2026. I think he'll be very much established then as a nice power speed blend. So I have him at five. At four, I have Alejandro Kirk. You know, I think obviously the hit tool is elite, and I think the power will be there. Not he'll still only be twenty-seven then. So he's our. I think he's just kind of stick right where he is. Guy that's like fourth, fifth, right in that general range of catcher rankings. And I don't see any reason to think he's going to move 
way up, way down. I think he's just be very, very solid there. Number three, I got Will Smith. He'll be he'll be pushing thirty one then, but I don't think that's you know I, I'm not thinking he'll be starting to fall off by that point in time. He's proven to be one of the most consistent players in baseball, not just at this position. You know, guy that you can basically pencil in for like 260, 25 home runs, and you know, pretty solid counting stats, runs RBIs as well. Number two, I got William Contreras. I think that might be maybe the hottest take of this five. It's not like super hot, but it's probably the most out there of the five, or maybe Austin Wells. I, I love the power, obviously, the quality of contact. Metrics are very, very good. I think he can hit for a solid average, 250 or better. And I think he's going to be a middle-of-the-order type of guy up there in Milwaukee for the next couple of years. So and I think he could be a guy that like basically is what Will Smith is with a bit more home run upside. And number one, this this was easy. Like Adley Richmond, I don't I don't see anybody kind of upseating him for that top spot. Obviously, four-category monster, you know, safe as they come, highest up. He's got the highest floor and the highest upside of this position, I think. So easy number one, and he'll be right around 28 at that time. So Austin Wells, Kirk, Will Smith, William Contreras, and Adley Richmond. Was there one that you had a hard time leaving off the list? Because there were a lot of good names, and you know, especially with some of the aging guys, it was like, I don't know where they'll be. Was there a particular one that was really hard for you to leave off? Yeah, the, the hardest to leave off were... Wilson Contreras says he'll only 33 then. And then the other two young guys, like Francisco Alvarez and Andy Rodriguez, I wanted to put them in so bad. Like they're probably six and seven for me. You know, and then I, I don't think, like, like I said, JT, I don't think he's going to completely fall off. I think he'll still be top 10. So it, it felt weird to not have him top five. But I tried to make a spot for, for Alvarez and Andy, but when he could pick five, so they're, they're six and seven. But yeah, this is one of the harder positions because I like so many names. And I, I could see Harry Ford. I could see him getting in this range. Maybe Moreno, if the power comes along. We'll see. We know the hit tool and the approach is elite. Now, those are another two that you know, maybe Bo Naylor, Logan O'Hoppy. I don't know, but top five for them. Maybe top 10. And and maybe Melendez, like possibly he could be up there as well, but. Yeah, this was just such a deep position. This was really hard to do just five. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me, I was looking, I mean, JTR is 32 right now, so 35-year-old catcher. Just not comfortable with that aging curve there for catcher, so a 35-year-old. Right. I mean, Varsho, I'm all but confident that he's no longer catcher eligible after this year, so much less three years from now. Agreed, yep. Sal Perez is nearly 33, so... That one was tough. Wilson Contreras was tough because he'll be almost 34 at the time. So he was a, a tough one for me to rank. Sean Murphy was the other one I had a tough time that I did leave off. But let me get into mine. My top five was Alejandro Kirk at five. We just look at Kirk. He's 24 years old. I think that we haven't seen nearly his best yet. And I think he's only going to get better. So for me, Kirk has a great field to hit. He's got power. And I think the Blue Jays seem to be confident in his ability. And he's going to play most every day. Like, I know he's going to split time with Danny Jansen behind the plate. But he's still going to play. He's going to get reps at the DH spot. And thinking about the fact that he may only be, he'll only be 27 three years from now, there's a lot of value to be had here. The next guy at number four is interesting. And I'm not sure how this plays out. But it's MJ Melendez. I think Melendez is a massive beneficiary of the shift ban. He had the largest difference in WOBA last year, shifted and unshifted, and it was by a pretty substantial margin. We could see Melendez get a tick up in batting average. I think the I know the power's there. There's no doubt about it. What I like about him is that he's versatile and that he plays a lot. At this point, three years from now, I'm not sure, you know, how much Sal is actually catching. So Melendez could pretty much be the everyday guy, but I'm pretty confident that Melendez does keep the eligibility until at least 2026 and maybe beyond. I do think that unless something drastically changes in the Royal system, I think that Melendez is the guy and going to keep that catcher eligibility. And the nice thing is that he is going to play a lot because he's also played in the outfield some. So number three for me was Francisco Alvarez. It was tough because I honestly like him and Indy aren't that dissimilar from a fantasy perspective. I know they're different profiles, but they all they both bring interesting you know aspect of their game to the table that could really cause them to provide for fantasy purposes. 
But we know Alvarez has big power. Indy, I honestly question if he moved off the position. When looking at three years from now, I don't know if he'll still have eligibility. The Pirates also have Henry Davis behind the plate. Right. And which one do they choose to both catch and Indy play second some, corner outfield some? Possibly, but I did struggle with that a bit, so I ended up leaving Indy off, and I put Alvarez on. Alvarez mashes baseballs. There's some contact concerns, absolutely, but he's a big OBP play. He's going to be in a great lineup. He's maybe doesn't play as much this year, and honestly, like I think that by midseason, he may be a trade target because the Mets are going to do some weird things this year. The Mets have just bought and traded for any player they want. And they've pretty much said that Alvarez is not going to be in the opening day lineup. He's going to be in AAA. So if he stays down a couple months, his value could drop, which could create an opportunity for you to buy in a dynasty league. But I do think three years from now, Alvarez is a top five guy. My number two is Will Smith, who I'm pretty confident in. I mean, he's just been steady as can be, power, OBP, respectable batting average in a great lineup. And you know, the, the Dodgers lineup's interesting this year. It's not as good. But I'm not expecting it to be bad in 2026. I mean, they'll do something crazy. I know this year they're trying to get below the cap for next year. So, not the cap, but the luxury tax so they can load up again. So, from that standpoint, like Will Smith is still going to be a top guy then. And then both of our number ones, pretty easy choice, Adley Rutschman. It wasn't much debate for me. Adley just brings such a unique profile to the table. His field to hit. He's going to hit for a good average. He's going to be an elite OBP asset. He's got the power. That Orioles lineup is going to be insane by 2026. So much talent in the system. They're already getting to the bigs. And Adley was impressive last year in a small sample as a rookie. So I'm all in on Rutschman. If you can get him in a dynasty league, I absolutely would. So the catcher position is interesting. This gives you a peek into what we think it could be. You know, the prospects here are a little bit tougher. I don't know. Alvarez could be top five. He, he may not be. We talked about Indy. He may be at the position. He may not be. Right. So there's a wide range of, you know, what could happen at this position. But one thing I think we're both confident in is that Adley Rutschman and Will Smith are still top guys three years from yep. now. 100%. We can say that with certainty. So let's move to the first base position. This one was interesting to me, too, because I was as I'm going down my current rankings. I'm like, OK, like. You know, where's the drop-off for some of these guys? Like, or do they all stay consistent? Like, who could rise up at the position? Because first base does not have a lot of talented prospects. So, for me, it was really tough. And I had one guy that was really hard for me to leave off this. And I'm curious if you'll say his name or not. But let's get your top five, Eric, who you got at first base. I have a feeling that the guy you were just alluding to is my number five. Let's see if I'm right. It is Kyle Manzardo. I have Manzardo on, so. But that, that wasn't the guy that you left off. No, okay. I, no, that so wasn't yeah. him. Yeah, th- this this was pretty, you know, this wasn't actually as tough as catcher. There were a couple guys that I wanted to put in, but, you know, the, the just miss wasn't quite as long of a list here. But I do have Kyle Manzardo at five. You know, he's shown, obviously, phenomenal minor league production, on-base abilities, approach, power. You know, he's going to be a four-category beast. So, like, you, you could say, I could... I basically just described my numbers five, four, and three. So I think these guys are all interchangeable, but I do have Tristan Casas at number four. I think you're going to really see him blossom this year and over the next three years. The power is elite. I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, he didn't have the gaudy home run totals in the minor leagues, but he even said he was focusing on, you know, just being a better hitter, you know, working on going the other way, you know, two strike approach, all that stuff, which I'm glad he did because we know like, the power, he could just bump, you know, flip a switch, turn it on. It's there. I think he's a 30-plus home run, middle-of-the-order thumper. So he's my four. Vinny Pasquantino at three. I mean, I've ranted on him so much, so much about him. I don't really need to say much more, obviously. Everything I said about Manzardo, take that and add a little bit. That's Vinny. He's elite four-category production. He's already proven to be one of the best pure hitters in baseball. I think the power takes up this year as well. I think the run production will be pretty good. I think the KC lineup will be sneaky good. I think it'll just get better over the years as well. At two, Pete Alonzo. Pete will be, what will Pete be? Pete will be 31. So I think he's still going to be a masher at that point. I don't think he's going to be a guy that falls, you know, falls off a cliff in his early 30s. And then we've seen a lot, of, especially first baseman, you know, they they age fine into, into the early 30s for the most part. As long as the body's good, 
Alonzo's body's fine. No issues there. And then number one, I, again, this one was also kind of easy. It's Vlad Jr. I know I, I, I kind of crap on Vlad, just more so in the Vlad versus Jordan debate. But obviously, Vlad is a great hitter. He's a generational talent. He's a four-category beast. He actually ran a little bit last year, which is kind of fun. We'll see if that continues this year. Even if he gives you another 5-6, it's just something. So he's on a zero, and Toronto's lineup is very good around him. Good hitters park. He's going to be about 27 you know, in his physical prime at that point in time. No reason for me to think that he's not number one at that point in time. So I go Manzardo, Cassis, Vinny P, Alonzo, and Vlad Jr. So you didn't say the one that I was struggling with, and that was Nate Lowe for me, or Nathaniel Lowe. He, he was one of the ones I just, him and Andrew Vaughn were the two I had the hardest time leading off. Yeah, for me, I was trying to look at the age, and I'm like, okay, like, you know, what will Nathaniel Lowe be like? And he's 27 right now. So what's he going to look like at, you know, 30? I, I'm not sure. And I am and I just couldn't justify putting him over a, the five that I have. Freddie Freeman was tough. He's been so consistent, but at 36 and a half, like, yeah. I'm just not sure we can count him in to be a top five first baseman. So spoiler alert, I left off both of those guys. But my fifth was Matt Olson. Olsen is almost 29, but this is kind of profile that I do think ages well. So he's not far off age-wise from Pete Alonzo. Olsen is going to be in, in Atlanta for the foreseeable future. He'll still be there, obviously, in three years. This lineup's going to be really good. He's going to hit right in the middle of it. And weirdly enough, they've been experimenting with him at the top of the order, first and second, like in, the, in spring training. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But regardless, I think that Olsen is going to be just the steady bat that he's always been. 35 home runs or more. And he's not going to give you the best average, but 270 won't kill you. And I think that's going to be the rain. He may not be that high, but even still, like I think there's some value to be had here with Olsen. And this profile ages well, in my opinion. Fourth, I have Kyle Manzardo. Eric talked about him. We've talked about him a lot on the show. We both love what Manzardo brings to the table. His contact skills are elite. I think he's a true 70 grade hitter. He doesn't have bad platoon splits at all. If you're concerned about him being a lefty against lefties, he's performed fine against them, against them. So I'm not worried. You know, some of the exit velocity numbers aren't the most impressive, but he still gets to the power. And I've seen him hit some absolute missiles in person. Hit one that I saw at a game in Greenville over the wall that was 420 on the on a line. I believe in Kyle Manzardo's power and hit. And I think he's just going to be a really good player for a long time. So Manzardo, despite being on the raise, he definitely makes this list. Vinny Pasquantino is also my third. Vinny, yeah, not much to add to him either. We've talked him up a lot. You know, he's Kyle Manzardo with more power. The contact skills are you know, even better, at least from a zone contacts perspective that we saw last year. His EVs are significantly better. The part, I don't know if it hurts him or not, but this is the kind of player I think kind of transcends that a bit. We're just Great. looking at Vinny P's profile. And I've got Pete Alonzo at two. Again, I'm not particularly worried about how he ages either. I think Alonzo is the, I mean, he's been as consistent as they get. You know, he's been 260, 40 home runs. I mean, since he debuted, he averaged over 40 home runs a season. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. And then also, we've both got the same number one, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I don't think we've seen his best. Maybe we saw his peak when he mashed 48 home runs, but I'm not so sure that we've seen peak Vlad Guerrero Jr. yet. And I still think that the best is yet to come. The values and people look at him just kind of all over the board. It's really strange, like how we aren't still sure what to do with him. He's 24 years old. He's still coming into his own. And I believe that Vlad Guerrero Jr. will be a stud for a long time. So my five goes Matt Olson, Kyle Manzardo, Vinny Pasquantino, Pete Alonzo, and then Vlad Guerrero Jr. at number one. Movie. Did you, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Did you consider Cassis for that? Just curious. He's like eighth on the list. So all right. So not too, too far. Not too yeah. far. The, 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 there was a cluster. I would say. Obviously, I wanted to put Freeman in. I obviously you and I obviously you love Freeman from being an Atlanta guy. I love Freeman just because he's fun. He's he's a great baseball player. He's a fun guy. Looks like a good good dude. So you know, it's hard putting not putting him in. Vaughn Low. I, I think all those guys will be that will be the like the next five will be pretty damn good. If we, if we do the top ten. All those guys would be top 10 for sure. 
yeah, I think the first base position is in good hands. So let's transition to second base, which was actually really hard for me. This is one of the harder ones to project. Dude, this position sucked. Like it, it was there was other positions that were hard because there were so many good guys. This one was like, well, who's still there? You know, who's gonna be good? I don't this was really hard to put five together. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the top guys currently are older. I mean, Altuve and Simeon both pushing thirty-three already, so that made it tough. Like, I mean, Trevor Story's already declining, like I had no clue what to do here, to be honest, and I struggled to project position eligibility a bit. So I'm curious if we differ any here. Probably not, but it'll be fun to see. But second base, top five, who you got? I think we are going to differ because my is my five are a wonky five. I mean, I like them all, but it's just so. Well, I don't. I don't even like number four that much. But I think he's he's solid. He's going to be up there. But number five for me, I'm going Curtis Mead, one of the better pure hitters in the minor leagues. You know, one of the best combinations of hit and power you'll see. Very underrated. Is he going to be at second base? I don't know. Could be second. Could be third. Hell, could be first. I don't know. It's the Rays. Who knows? But I think there's a chance of him ending up at second base. So I will go with with Mead here. At four, I'm going to go Andres Jimenez. Again, I'm not a big Andres Jimenez guy, but he's solid. He's like, you know, 15 home runs, 20 steals, 270 average. I mean, take what he did last year. It maybe had a little bit of speed. The speed's legit. I don't think he's a you know near 300 hitter. I don't think he's 20 plus home runs, but you know 270 and 15 are absolutely fine. You know, solid all around production there. Three, you know, I've been driving this guy's hype train or one of the drivers, I guess. So I'll stick with it. I'm going Connor Norby at three. I know I'm one of the highest around on Norby, but I think you're, we're going to see like some Aussie Albies esque production at peak from him potentially. I think he's got the skills to do that, or maybe maybe a little bit less, but I think he's a you know twenty plus home run guy, fifteen steals, solid two sixty two seventy average, you know he's a solid OBP as well. I think that Baltimore lineup is going to be really really good. Like I think three four years from now, when you get Norby up, you get Colt Cowser up, you get Kobe Mayo up, you get Westberg up, Gunners you know three more years experience, Adley, you know I think this is going to be a very 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 good. Baltimore lineup at, at two. I got Ozzy Albies still. He's going to be, what's he get? Be Albies will be 29. At, let me go over this, the right page here. Yep. Albies will be 29 at that point in time. You know, there is some concern. Obviously he's had some injuries over the last couple of years. He's already not hundred percent this year. Hopefully it's just a minor speed bump. He gets back to the 25, 15 type of guy that we've kind of, kind of come to know and love with plenty of counting stats. So I don't, I don't think he'll fall off a cliff quite yet. And then number one, which is the, the only one we kind of talked about beforehand, just to see what we were going to do with this guy. Going, we, will, we both think he's moving back to this position. Jazz Chisholm Jr., 28 years old at the time. I think the average will probably be 250-ish, but hey, that's going to come with maybe pushing 30-30 on an annual basis. Who knows how good the lineup would be around him down there in Miami, but if you're getting you know 25 plus 25 plus with an average that you can live with, I think he's gonna be number one. Yeah, so definitely a tough position to rank. I didn't include Mead because I wasn't sure about the eligibility. I and he's played a lot of second base, so it's like it was a weird spot. And I at one point I had him number four on the list. I was like, I think he's third base, but. Who knows? Like he, he, he could be third base. Yeah, it, it it was so hard with me. Like yeah. some of these guys, I'm like, where do they end up? Yeah, and plus, like, with, with, like you mentioned with with Altuve and Semi, and I'm like, they're obviously they're great, but they're gonna be pushing 36 at this point in time. So it's kind of hard to include them. I think they'll still be like probably back end top 10, but it's hard to have them in the top five. Yeah, same. And the position to me just isn't in good hands in the future either. Maybe some shortstops move over. Not Maybe. quite sure. But my five, it may be totally off the wall, but I went with Julian. Ooh. It's It may be a little spicy take, but I like Julian, Julian. Yeah, I mean, he's an OBP monster. He needs to be a bit more aggressive. And if he is, then I think everything kind of comes. We've seen some big EVs from him. Actually, today, hit two home runs against the Braves in spring training, both over 106 miles an hour. He was in the AFL home run derby. I mean, I know he wasn't great in the AFL home run derby, but he was in the home run derby. So he's an interesting profile to me. He's continually gotten better. So with the position the way it is, I was like, I don't 
And I'll just spoiler, I don't have Altuve or Simeon in here. 36. I'm like, I don't like either those way those profiles might age by 36. So it was like, I don't know where to go. And I just landed on Julian for the fifth one. The top four were a little easier for me, even though I don't love it per se. I have Glaber Torres at four. I, I almost put I debated Torres. Yeah. Yeah. Torres is not spectacular, but he's just solid. And I think that the expectations were so high after that year when he hit what 38 home runs and like 22 of them came against the Orioles. It was like everybody thought he was the next superstar. And it didn't come. But in reality, that's okay. He just turned 26 in December. So he won't even be 30 by the time this comes around. He was still good last year. I mean, he hit 257. You know, 24 home runs, 10 stolen bases. And if that's who he is, like at second base, that's certainly usable. So Glaber Torres came in at four for me. Then I went Andres Jimenez at three. I don't know. It was another weird one where Jimenez is young. He's got the power speed element. I do slightly worry about regression a bit with Jimenez this year. But again, we're looking at 27-year-old Jimenez then coming into his prime. Maybe we see a bit more power from him. And so from that standpoint, I was like, okay, I'll go with Jimenez here. And I'm trusting that he will continue his development path. And the top two, Albies and Chisholm, both, I mean, Albies will be 29, Chisholm will be 28. Power speed elements there. I think people are concerned about Albies. I learned that Albies had a shoulder procedure this offseason, which I hadn't heard of till you know last several days, which was interesting. So I think he'll be fine. I'm not particularly worried about him. And hopefully that was, like, he was beat up pretty bad last year. But he's been fairly healthy throughout his career, so I'm hoping that last year was an outlier, and Albies will be fine, and Jazz, the power speed element is just so, so good. I, I'm making a change live on the air. I just thought of something that I should have thought of that I actually think is going to happen. All right, so we're going to bump out Mead to six. Sorry, Curtis Mead. Jimenez mm-hmm. goes to five. Norby goes to four. Okay, I'll put him at three. I was debating three or two. I think Anthony Volpe moves over to second base. I think there's a realistic chance of that. I think Peraza can stick it short. Volpe over to second base. I don't know why. I just it just dawned. I was looking at my rankings. It just dawned on me. I'm like, oh yeah, that is actually a realistic possibility. So yes, yeah, so I I will move Volpe up to three, and then Norby to four, and Jimenez to five. You know that's a really good call because Peraza is going to be the guy to start the year, and Peraza is going to get every chance to stick. They're not going to call it Volpe to dispel Peraza if Peraza's playing well. So I think there's a realistic chance that Volpe comes up and plays second base. And that could last. Like That could be a really good double play duo there with Volpe and Peraza. And with the shift ban, I think the defense is even more important. So having someone that's quick and versatile like Volpe at second, actually a pretty good call. I do like that a lot. I would definitely have Volpe on this list too. I think I'd have him three if I had him at second base, to be honest. I think I'd like him above Jimenez. So. Good call out there. Third base. This one was really fun and kind of wild. The top guys are seem like they're going to be the top guys still, but we have a couple of the top guys that are already over 30, which kind of made me question a bit. And I threw a complete wild card in the middle of this, which would be fun. And Ooh. I'll be interested to see if you can guess who the wild card is, but I'll let you go first with your top five, who you got at third base. I'm trying to figure out who the wild card is. Let me, is he, has he debuted yet? Yes. Debuted. Wild card. Where did, where'd you put him at three? Three, yep. Dead in the middle. Mm-mm. He's debuted. I don't, I don't know why my brain is going to Cabrian Hayes. Cabrian Hayes? It's not Hayes. This is still a prospect eligible player. I'll say that. Ooh. All right, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta figure that one out. I'm not quite sure. Maybe a shock, and it may be a completely wild call, but we'll see. Well, now I'm curious, Chris. <laughs> get in your top five. We'll get back to it. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who this is. I'm, I'm having a hard time. Maybe you have them too. I don't know. They're not. A, it's not in the top group of third basemen right now. It's a prospect that has debuted. Well, I don't have them now. I'm just like sitting here trying to figure out who you have. But I am going to go, and I, I. Fought myself on this one. I I don't didn't want to put him five, but it did make sense. You know what? Actually, no, I'm not going to put him five. I'm making a change on the air again. I was debating between these two guys. I'm going to go back to this guy. I, I'm putting Joe Ram at five. I almost left Joe Ram off. He's going to be 33, going to his age 34 season. But it, it felt weird to leave Joe Ram off. 
But again, this mission is so star-studded that even, you know, a slight drop-off could move Joe Ram from like one or two at this spot to five or six. Because like obviously you got the Devers and the Rileys of the world. So I'm going to go Joe Ram at five. I'm going to go Machado at four. I, and he's going to be 33. I don't see him falling off much either. At least not to the point where he's out of my top five quite yet. Maybe he will. I don't know. That was a hard call. Both these guys were going to be 33 years old. That's like when he started getting, you know, production might start declining at that point in time. But Machado's been so consistent. I find it hard to believe he's just going to fall off quickly. So I'll, I will leave him here. This is kind of a boring list because it's a lot of the same guys that are already, you know, in this top five. But I got Austin Riley at three, Endeavors at two. You know, they've been neck and neck in my rankings for about a year now. I don't see that changing. You know, Riley's about half a year younger. You know, hopefully Boston's lineup gets better again to the point where it's a top 10 lineup. We'll see. But I, I don't see, you know, those two kind of moving. I think they're going to stick right where they are, you know, back in, back in top 20 players overall, you know, top five of this position. So they are three and two. And then at one, I'm going Ellie De La Cruz. I think he moves over to third or at least has a chance of it. So much that could go on. In the left side, or just really in that entire Reds lineup, there's so many good prospects. It'd be fun to see how that plays out. But I do think there's a realistic chance he moves over to third. And I think while the average might be up, you know, up and down, up and down, OBP probably won't be the greatest. But this is a guy that's could be 30, 30 annual, you know, annually. So that power speed blend is just hard to, you know, match. So I will put a Elliot one. So I got Joe Ram, Machado, Riley, Devers, and Ellie De La Cruz at one. Now I want to hear who your, your surprise guy is. All right. So I, like you, had Joe Ram at five. I question the body's aging. Like, what is he going to be like? I mean, he's a top guy right now. But I'm a bit concerned about Joe Ram aging. So it's like, mm, I don't know. I did leave him at five. I still think a 33-year-old Joe Ram is very productive. I also went Machado at four. Machado, to me, has been as steady as they come, and I don't really see a 33-year-old Machado falling off. I mean, he's got the massive contract from San Diego. He's going to be around the, for the foreseeable future, and I think they also believe that he will be really good for a long time. So my surprise is uh, Brett Beatty. Okay, that was my next guess. I was and thinking maybe be Beatty. A complete wild card, but Beatty... Just brings so much to the table. Beatty brings really good feel for contact in the zone. He brings really high exit velocities and power. And just, I don't know. I look at this Mets lineup. When Beatty gets the chance to succeed, I just think that he's going to be a cog in the middle of that lineup with Pete Alonso for a while and be really, really good. I mean, I can see Beatty develop into a, a 30 home run bat pretty easily. He's got to lift the ball a little more, but. I think it's highly realistic that Brett Beatty continues his development. He continues to you know, get the swing path right to lift the ball a bit more. And 30 home runs is definitely in the cards with a respectable average, too. You know, I'm not confident he's getting much time this year, but the Mets are the Mets. Beatty's going to get a shot and be really good, I think. You're making all of our, our buddies that are Mets fans very happy right now. Like, hey, Michael Simeon, keep your pants on, all right? It's going to be okay. You know, Simeone, Ariel Cohen, everyone's getting very excited about this take, Chris. Yeah, they'll trade him for a, a reliever, but <laughs> it worked out pretty well for him last time. So it did. Yep. <laughs> it did. All right. And the top two are the same as yours. I have Raphael Devers at two and Austin Riley at one. It's splitting hairs. They're back to back in my rankings. They probably will still be back to back unless something drastically changes. They've been eerily similar the last yep. several years, and I don't really see that changing. Riley is a year younger, but it's not not significant. He's half a year younger, my bad, but nothing significant. They're still going to be in their prime. Both these lineups, you know, the Red Sox lineup will be good in 2026. I'm confident in that. And the Braves lineup will still be very good as well. So uh, just looking at the that group is pretty much all the top guys now. And I threw in Brett, Brett 82. So it's interesting. It was fun. But this is where it really got fun. Shortstop. What yes. you got? Top five at shortstop. Dude, this this was insanely tough. This was the hardest position overall. 
because it wasn't hard like second base because it was so weird, but just because obviously there's always so much elite talent at the shortstop position, both established and young, had to leave like one guy. Like, it, I'm probably gonna get yelled at for leaving this guy off, but I just wonder. And I'm gonna say it's Trey Turner. He's number six for me. That was hard. Obviously, Trey Turner has been an you know elite five category stud for the last handful of years. I don't think it's going to change the next you know year or two, but he's going to be pushing thirty. It'll be thirty three early on in the this season that we're talking about here for this episode. Got to wonder if the speed starts declining a little bit. I don't know. I could absolutely you know come come back to eat my words and then he could you know still be elite Trey Turner. But again, like I was saying with Joe Ram, even a slight step back with these names at this position means you're going from number two to number six in this position or something like that. So yeah, that, that's, that's how tight the uh, the rankings are. So he was the one that just missed. But I five, I got Wander Franco at five. And while, you know, I've questioned where, whether he's a you know slightly better real-life player than fantasy, I think we're still going to get an elite average. You know, I don't think there's any question about that. And I think there's going to be 20, 25 home runs, 10 to 15 steals. Again, I don't think he's going to be a stud. I don't think he's gonna be like top five overall player, but is he a guy that could get into like the top 20 overall as the fifth best shortstop? Absolutely. I totally think that that profile is in there. So I, I felt like I had to rank him here at five at four. I got this. This is one that could look great. He could be a spot or two higher, or it could look totally wrong. And he could be a guy that's, you know, not even top 20 at this position. And that's O'Neill Cruz. Like, the power speed, it's there. See if he can, you know, make strides as a pure hitter with the approach, get the K rate down. But man, like that, we've seen it already this way. He had the hardest hit ball in the stat cast era, like harder than Judge, harder than Stan, all of them. He has it as a rookie. He had it. And sprint speed's elite too. I mean, like this 30 30 potential here. I, I just wonder where the, uh, the hit tool is at. But hey, again, if he can just hit kind of like what I was saying with, guy like Ellie, like with the power speed is so elite. You're going to run higher BABIPs. And that's usually how it goes. And you can live with a 250 average if you're getting all that power and speed and probably pretty solid running RBI totals. Though it's Pittsburgh, so who knows. At three, I got Gunnar Henderson. There was questions with about with him and one, one other guy here, but whether they be at short or third. I think they both at shortstop. Gunnar, he's already kind of flashed a lot of his tools already. Hard hit rate, power rate, walk rate, you know, sprint speed's pretty solid as well. I think he's a big guy that just settles in as a you know, 25 to 30, maybe a little bit over that home run guy, you know, 10 to 15 steals, good average, good OBP. You know, he, he's this is a guy that could be just a guy that settles in as like a top, you know, 12 to like in the middle, the 15 give or take range overall rankings. It's really, really good back end first round. Top end, second round, and a fantasy player. So I have him at three. I could have flip-flopped these two. That I think would be very similar in value moving forward. But I still got Bo Bichette at two. Basically everything I've just said about Gun. I, I think Bo is going to be like a 25, 15 guy. Good average. I'm not overly worried about how he started last year. Like he's proven you know, for the vast majority of his career that he obviously is an elite player outside of those couple of months where he was – a mere mortal, a mere average player, but I think he's gonna be he's gonna be about twenty eight at this point in time. So right in his physical prime, I think he's gonna be putting up a lot of the same numbers he is now. And at one, I got Bobby Witt Jr. He was the other one that was debating whether he's short at short or third. I think he's at short. He'd be number one at third. He'll be number one at short. I think he's gonna be a guy that pushes that top tier or kind of settles in as like number six, seven, eight guy. In my overall rankings, I mean, he's 8-8 eight, eight right now. 20-30 as a rookie, there's more power there. He showed more patience in the minor leagues. I think people are kind of like looking at, like, oh, like, like, oh, the OPS wasn't great or, you know, the OBP wasn't great. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. I don't give a crap. Like, I, I seen what this guy is. Like, I watched, obviously, I never saw him live in the minors, but obviously watched a ton of video of him. You know, the production, everything was there. Why can't he hit for more power? Why can't we expect progression from a second year player that was an elite uber prospect that was drafted number two overall was always a top five prospect even top one so i think he can there's a legit chance and he was the fastest guy in baseball last year until corbin carroll came up 
I think there's a legit chance you see Witt go. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. I won't even put 30, 40 up equation. I think that I probably a low likelihood outcome, but 25, 35, absolutely. With, you know, plenty of our runs in RBI. And I think the average could tick up 260, 265, 270, something like that. Probably never as a high OBP guy, but I think 330, 340, that's definitely a possibility as well. So got about one for, for those reasons. Yeah, this position was weird because there's a couple guys, like we said, that didn't know where they'll be. I'm probably going to have a spicy take at one, but. Starting at five, I have Gunnar Henderson, who really like, and all these guys are players that I like a lot. Like these are all really good players. So I have Gunnar Henderson at five. Don't have much to add there. You know, he's got elite play discipline. He's got great power. He's got sneaky speed too. Does everything that you want him to do. I have Wander Franco at four. It's funny how quick everybody jumped off board with Wander Franco after last year as a twenty-one-year-old right. rookie. Like, what are we doing? Just nuts, man. But uh, I'm confident in Wander Franco's bat-to-ball ability as developing power and speed, and he's going to be a great asset. Like, there could be years that Wander Franco hits 330. Like, I'm 100% serious about that. And give you 20-plus home runs and 10 stolen bases. Yep. It may not be the flashiest counting stats, but, man, that batting average floor is ridiculous. So, I'm I'm counting on Wander Franco to bounce back. And not even bounce back. I mean, we're talking about he was a 21-year-old rookie in the major league. He doesn't have to bounce back from anything. He was hurt. Nothing to bounce back from. He's a stud player. I have Bo Bichette at three. Love Bo. Bo's season was highly underrated last year, too. Everybody basically thought that he had a terrible year. Bo was still really good. I think Bo takes another step forward or back forward to his speed and stolen bases. And he gets back to that 20 stolen base mark. He was nearly 30-30 the year before. And I just think Bo's going to be really, really good again. So I'm counting on Bo coming back in a big way this year and being good for a long time. Still young, still a lot to like. I have Bobby Witt Jr. at number two. I don't have much to add to what Eric said. Love Bobby Witt. Love what he did last year as a rookie. I don't care if his OBP was below 300. He was a rookie. He was what 21, 22-year-old rookie. So it's time to stop worrying about little things like that and not think that players can get better. Spicy number one, I have O'Neill Cruz coming in at number one. That, that, that's what I thought. I, was, I, I had it narrowed down to O'Neill Cruz and Ellie Diva Cruz. <laughs> yep, so one of the Cruises, and it was O'Neill. I mean, as Eric said, hardest hit ball. He matches the ball consistently hard. He's got really good speed. There were some really good improvements towards the end of the year that if you weren't paying attention, you missed. I know the strikeout rate was still high, but again, this is a – otherworldly type player with the tools that he has. And if he can just improve the contact skills a little bit, then he's going to take off. Like he's already said he wants to go 40-20 this year, and he wants to steal even more than 20 bases. Now, a player saying something is pretty meaningless, but again, there's ambitions, there's drive, and O'Neill Cruz is going to be a stud. So the skills, the tools are better than any other shortstop on the board, in my opinion. So I'm just going to go spicy and say that O'Neill Cruz is the top shortstop on the board at this point. I mean, I would be a shortstop. Who knows? But I'm going with it. It's funny. Like, I, I guess you could label it in spicy, but I don't think it's like super spicy. I, I obviously, like, like we both said, he has all the skills in the world. If, if it clicks, this is a stud. Like, this is a guy that can get up into the first round annually at fantasy players. So, yeah, I, I definitely like it. I think if the hit tool comes along you know, further than what I currently project it to, that definitely could be a possibility. Yep. So moving to the outfield, we did 10 names because you know five was hard in the outfield and you count more outfield spots. So we'll move through these a little quicker. And honestly, I found this position kind of tough like after a certain point. You had all the studs at the top that are still going to be there, I think, because they're already young. Like the top dynasty outfielders now are early 20s. And so like pretty consistent three years from now. The back end, I was like, man, I really have no clue where to go. So I'm interested to see what you have at the back end because mine were kind of tough decisions at like eight through ten. Yeah, the, the tail end of the like one through actually one through eight, I was actually pretty easy on. Like that that was probably the easiest you know kind of grouping of this entire list. Nine and ten, I went back and forth a thousand freaking times, dude. Like I uh, Michael Harris, I wanted to put in there. I wanted to put like. Mike Trout in there, Aaron Judge, Eloy Jimenez. These are guys that missed. Like, that was so hard. And yeah, 
you'll get the people yelling at me for Trout or yelling at me for Michael Harris. Again, they're, I think these guys are like 11 through 15, and that still means like top 40 overall players. So no slight to any name that didn't make the top 10 here. They're all very, very good players, obviously. But I, I went with two, you know, quote-unquote older guys here. They'll both be 33 at this time. And they actually were born about a week apart. That's Bryce Harper and Mookie Betts. I have them at 10 and 9, respectively. I don't see them falling off. I, I think Betts will be fine then. You could say, like, these smaller frames don't age well. But, hey, look at Altuve, who is currently, I think, two and a half years older than Mookie. I don't see any reason to think Mookie won't be still a top, thir- at least top 30 overall player, you know, doing his thing, into, you know, in, in the top third of that good Dodgers lineup. Great Dodgers lineup, I should say. So, still have him and Harper at 10 and 9. Eight, I, I wanted to put this guy higher, but the teams ahead of him are so freaking good. I got Jordan Walker at eight. Love Jordan Walker. We've already kind of gotten a little bit, a little tease, a little taste of what he's capable of in spring training with the elite sprint speed and absolute tank off of Johnny Cueto. Granted, it was an 89 mile an hour kind of groove job, but still, he took it 430. I think the XFL was 112 or 113 on it. I can't remember. Something like that. I think he's going to be 30 plus home runs. You know, 15 or so steals early on in his career. Good average, good OVP. He's going to be in the middle of a pretty good St. Louis lineup. So I wanted to put him higher, but the names ahead of him are so hard to move him ahead of. So the top seven, I'll go quicker here. I got Jordan Alvarez at seven, Kyle Tucker at six, back-to-back Astros. Tucker will be, let's see, Tucker will be 29. Jordan will be almost, they're about half a year apart. Jordan will be almost 29. I don't see maybe his Tucker speed falls off a little bit. I don't know. I'm nitpicking here, but he's still going to be an absolute five category stud. Jordan's arguably the best hitter in the game. Don't see that changing. The only thing that kind of holds him down, maybe, you know, the long-term injury risk He has a little bit higher injury risk than most on this list. So, but hey, still number seven here at five. I'm going Corbin Carroll at five. Love. I almost want to put him higher. It was so hard not to put him higher, but I am all in on Carroll. The sprint speed is elite. The power is very good and being slept on. I think he's 25 plus home runs. Long term, good average, good OBP. I think Arizona's lineup, you know, will be. I think they got some decent t- talent coming up. So I think if you add to that, I think he's gonna be a five category stud. And then top four, it's not really much of a surprise here. They got Tatis at four, Soto at three, Acuna at two, J Rod at one. So Tatis will be twenty seven, Soto will be twenty seven, Acuna will be the old man here at twenty eight. And J Rod will be 25. I don't see any reason why those guys, unless Carroll jumps up higher, unless maybe a Jordan Walker or someone like that, I don't see, you know, many chances to upseat this top four. I mean, unless Tatis continues to have Tatis, you know, issues and miss a lot of time, then he'll move down, but still probably the most talented player on the planet or one of the three. So, yeah, pretty easy uh, top four there. But that was a fun top 10. Who you got? Yeah, this was tough, especially the back end for me. And I kind of debated. Jordan Alvarez is one I struggle with. Like, is he going to be a DH only by then? That's possible, yeah. I, yeah, so I included 11, actually, because I wasn't sure about him. Like, I'll just, like, read them and not go into detail. But I was like, I don't know if I'm going to count Jordan or not. I have Jordan at three if he is outfield. But the DH could obviously... Throw that off a bit, but I will go add my 11th just for the sake of the fact to say if, if he does move off. I have Elijah Green 11th. It's probably kind of bold, but I think I like it. Green's got the tools, and I think the contact is going to come along better than people expect. He's uh, an amazing athlete. I mean, we've seen him go absolutely insane, you, hitting EVs in high school that you know some professional players can't do. So to me... I just think Green puts it all together, the power, the speed, and I think the contact comes long enough. So I had Elijah Green at 11. I have James Wood coming in at 10, Ooh, who, I, I like mean, it. I think James Wood's going to be the next top prospect after Carroll, Henderson, and Walker. So I went with James Wood there. His combination of you know hard hit balls plus his own contact are insane for a player his size. He's also a good athlete, very sneaky good athlete for his size. I think people just look and see this massive dude and, wonder what kind of athlete he is but he's a very good athlete so 
I'm all about some James Wood. I had Corbin Carroll coming in after that, and that was a tough one. I didn't really know where to go with him. I love Carroll. Obviously, I've talked him up on Twitter tonight and had people coming at me about it, but I don't really care. I'm I'm all in on Corbin Carroll. I don't really know what else to say. I mean, the power's there. You can discount the power all you want. Power's there. The speed's there. The contact skills and play discipline are there. I don't really know what else you want to ask for with Carroll. The only thing that doesn't push him higher is that there's other guys on the list that have been doing it and are doing it. I have Jordan Walker next. That was a tough one to go between the two. Man, I just think Jordan Walker, just everything in the profile just screams like it's going to be a lead all around. And, you know, right now, you know, you may say, well, you have Carroll ranked higher as a prospect. Yeah, I do. But I really do think that, you know, Walker, I mean, he's still going to be so young at this point. Carroll will be too. But, man, I think there's 40 home runs in Walker's bat. He's got sneaky good speed as well. He stole more bases last year than he hit home runs. I mean, come on. Like, the dude's a good runner. He was clocked at 29.9 feet per second. And he's six foot six, like 240. Like, insane athlete. Random question I just randomly thought of. Let's put these guys in a steel cage match. James Wood versus Jordan Walker. Who are you taking? Dude, I think I'm going Jordan Walker. He's just built like a train, man. I, I was leaning Walker as well, but I was like, man, that'd be fun to see this guy like old school WWF style. Like yeah. back back when we all thought it was still real. You know, I think that'd be really fun to see those two matched up, but that would be fun. So I have Walker. I have uh, Michael Harris, the second coming in next. Hard to deny what he did as a 21-year-old rookie last year who didn't play hardly any in the minors. They just sent straight to the majors. He's a gold-glove center fielder. He's got elite speed. He hits the ball extremely hard. He's got underrated power, much like Carroll does. I mean, we're talking like 109-mile-an-hour 90th in the minors last year. He was like 108.5 as a major league last year. Insane power, dude. I think that he could be a 30-30 lock at some point, and that wouldn't surprise me a bit. So Harris may have some regression this year, but long-term, I am the slightest bit worried about Michael Harris. And this is where it got interesting. I have Juan Soto coming in next. This really a big tier. Like this, The top six guys are all a tier, and it's like, I don't care where you put them. They're all very similar. So I went Soto, Tucker, Tatis Jr., who, and this is when I question position, but Tatis Jr., I mean, what, what happened? I mean, they've got locked up Xander Bogarts at shortstop. They've got Manny Machado locked up at third. I mean, were they going to put Tatis at second base? Like, I don't know. Maybe Xander plays second base and Tatis goes back to short. But I don't know. I'm kind of banking on Tatis staying in the outfield. Is that kind of your thought too? Yeah, I, I just don't think that he moves back that he didn't feel like. You mentioned they have the left side of their, of their infield locked up for a while. You know, you could say that Xander moves off short in a few years. But if we're looking at three years out, I don't think Xander moves off before like, you know, a year five or six or so like he'll still be like 33 ish that so i think he's still at short you still got machado at third <clears throat> so where you know where else i don't think you're gonna put Tatis a second that, that'll be weird so i got I, I think it's gonna be outfield i don't see really see any other spot yeah i tend to agree there so i left him in the outfield and i had Jordan. as i said i i don't know if he has outfield eligibility but for now he does so i'm going that way and then J-Rod and Acuna being my one-two. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Like I've kind of been sticking by the fact that Acuna is my top guy in redraft and dynasty this offseason. I mean, I think that there's a chance that he goes 40-40. He almost did it before. I think this might be the year he does it. He's running really good. He's hitting the ball really well so far this spring. So Ronald Acuna Jr. is my number one. But as I said, the top six, like I wouldn't fault anybody for going any of those at the top. Like. These are all studs, and they're young. I think they're going to be studs for the foreseeable future. Any parting thoughts on the outfield? Yeah, man, it was. There's so many outfielders I like. Like I, I thought of Green, thought of of James Wood. I even thought of Jackson Cheerio a little bit, like Eloy Jimenez. Michael Harris was number eleven. I probably should have put him over Betts or or Harper's. I, I definitely, I echo everything you said. I think he's legit. It's just so many really good names here that it was hard to lead off. But yeah, the outfield, well, we, we, we talk about, you know, more so in redraft, but how it kind of dries up in the middle rounds. But there's no denying that at the top, like this is the most studly position for fantasy. More than shortstop, more than whatever, out, more than pitcher, obviously, but more than any other spot. Outfield is like 
like look at my current top 10. I think I want see my current 10 right now has, let's see my current top seven is six outfielders. You know, it's, it's J-Rod, Acuna, Soto, Tatis, Tucker, and Jordan. And then obviously you got the young guys, Carol and, and Harris moving on up. So you got the, the older guys, Jordan, or not Jordan, not Judge, and Betts, Harper, and Trout, 30-year-olds. This is such a good position. And, you know, there could we, we could see some other guys and move move up into these ranks as well. Maybe a Drew Jones gets up there, though. He's, again, kind of in that similar boat to Elijah Green. But, hey, he's got the upside, too. A lot of good outfield prospects as well. Yeah, this is this position is going to be fine. Now, I'm not worried about it long term. It's going to be a lead at the top, and I think the depth will kind of fill out again with all these good prospects. So yeah, this is a this is the best position in baseball. Yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely loaded. So the top was pretty easy. Let's wrap up the show with the pitcher position. This one was fun. This one was a bit challenging too for me. Overall, the position's in good hands, and pitching feels as deep as it has been in a long time. So I'm curious what prospects may have snuck in for you, who you got at the back end, because the top was pretty easy for me, but the back end, I was like, I can go some different directions here. So I'm curious to hear your top 10 pitchers for 2026. I went a different direction like a few times because there were some, still some guys that could be like 30, 31, as we've seen with the guys like, you know, the wheelers of the world, you know, these guys don't necessarily fall off in, in their early 30s. So there was a lot of, hard cuts to make here. Like like Dylan Cease was a, a hard one to not include on a list like this. I think he'll be very close. You know, like I think Aaron Nola who will be 33 then. He'll still be there. Brendan Woodruff will be 33. I think those will be all like in that kind of like where Wheeler is now, that 11 to 15 range. Like kind of like where we have Rodon now. It's a, hard, a lot of hard guys to, to cut here, but had to narrow it to 10. At 10, I got George Kirby. You know, we've seen the elite command and control already. I think there's more, you know, I think the whiff rates are going to go up. Like, let's, look, let's watch him pitch. He passes the eye test. I think it's all about lo- locating, you know, in the proper spot, sequencing. He'll get there. Like, he's he's got good stuff. So, will he be like, you know, 35% K rate guy? No. But is he a guy that can get up in that 27, 28% K rate? Guy? Yeah. I think he, he already, I think, was at 25 or something percent. This year, so I think that can tick up. I'm not worried about that whatsoever. Very high floor. At nine, I probably should have put this guy in, but I'm still insanely high. One of my favorite dynasty buys right now at any position. I'm going Shane Boz at nine. Like the stuff is elite. Like I said, he made the adjustments he said he was going to make to you know throw you know get ahead in the count more, just throw more strikes, command his pitches better. He did that. He had one of the I think the highest. K minus walk rate that year in the uh, 2021 in the minor leagues. I think he's, the stuff is elite. So I'm going to, I'm not ready to, you know, drop him far down my rankings yet. I think he's going to be an ace long term. I got Christian Javier at eight. This is one I did struggle with, but yeah, you know, a lot of some of the ERA indicators are pointing at, you know, some regression, some of the bad bips and, you know, and the shift stuff, stuff like that. But the stuff is really, really good. And I, th- I think he'll be, keep the walk rate in check enough to remain kind of like a top tier arm. I think he's going to be just fine. I don't see him taking a step back. Stuff is elite. You know, that Houston pitching development is one of the best in baseball. They, they know what they're doing down there. So I am I'm not worried about Javier at all. Seven. I got Ricky Tiedemann at seven. If you go back and watch his inning from, well, when you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday on Tuesday. Like, obviously, it was just one inning, but the dude is so freaking good. Fastball, changeup, slider. He struck out. His velocity seems to be up. I don't know if that was the gun at the stadium or what, but I think this guy's an ace. Like, he's shown so much poise for his age, very advanced. There's a reason why I have him number three in my pitching prospect rankings ahead of Yuri Perez. Most people have that back, you know, flip-flopped. I am all in on Tiedemann. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Six, Sandy Alcantara. What what does it say? The guy is super, as rocks out as they come. Pencil him in for 200 innings, 200 Ks, good ratios. I don't really see that changing. SOB in his 30 season, them. Don't see that changing whatsoever. Five and four. These these guys are back-to-back in my prospect rankings. I'll keep them back-to-back. I got Painter at five, G-Rod at four. I think they're studs. I think they're all-run studs. 
And I think those, these are going to be two guys that break onto the scene this year. And by year three for them, they'll be, you know, top 10 arms, no doubt in my mind. I got Spencer Strider at three. Definitely legit what he did. Fastball's elite, sliders even more elite. Change up, as we've mentioned many times, has really good characteristic to it, good potential with it. Maybe he starts incorporating that more, or even not. Like this dude's a stud. Strikeout upside is insane, as we saw already. So I'm keeping him top five. I still got Shane McClanahan at two. He'll be he'll be 29 in this age, or in this, excuse me, in this 2026 season. I'm I'm not overly worried about the shoulder. We've seen obviously the stuff is elite. He can get ground balls, he can limit our contact, every, everything you want from a guy that you you know kind of lock into your dynasty rotation and you know leave him for years to come. And at number one, I debated not having this guy number one. He's gonna be 31, but I still think Corbin Burns will be number one. Again, 31. He's got a great frame. I don't see any reason as to why like he won't be doing the same thing in three years as he's doing now. Like I think, like look at Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole right now is 32. He'll be 35, 36. I think he's another guy that fell just outside for me. But give me, give me a reason why Corbin Burns can't do in three years what he's doing now. So he's the best pitcher in the game now. I don't see anybody overtaking him, so I'll leave him at one. So that's my top ten. Yeah, that's a really good group, and I agree. I think we've seen the stud pitchers just be elite for such a long time that it's hard to really discount that and say like, oh, well, he's going to be 31. Like, nothing against that at all. Like, right. I think I still have Burns number one. Spoiler, I think that he'll still be the best pitcher in baseball in three years. But let's go to the back end. Starting at 10, um, I went with Hunter Green. I think that's a wild card pick. I don't know. I The the, the, the Cincinnati duo of him and Lodolo did cross my mind. Yeah, so that was a really tough one for me, but I think Green's in for a big breakout this year. The ballpark scares me a bit, but at the end of the day, like I think Green has the talent to transcend that. We saw him be absolutely dominant down the stretch of the season despite some health issues. So I think Green's in for a big year. I have Ricky Tiedemann coming in next. Again, I don't have much to add to what Eric said. He was insane today. <laughs> I think it caught a lot of people's attention, maybe people that don't really follow prospects. But I'm wondering if Tiedemann's up sooner than later. I really didn't think Tiedemann was going to exhaust prospect eligibility this year. I mean, if the Jays are contending, the back of that rotation sucks. I mean, just, just being honest, like they could use Ricky Tiedemann. Do they call him up this year? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think they do. I mean, it's highly possible, and it could be sooner than I think. But I went Grayson Rodriguez next. The only reason I have G-Rod higher is I think there's more health concerns than people want to admit with him, and that's my only knock. I mean, G-Rod's got a well-rounded arsenal. He's got good command control. He does everything really well, but I'm a bit concerned about his health. So that's the only thing that put him here. I had Brandon Woodruff next. I don't have much to say about Brandon Woodruff. He's as steady as they get. I mean, he's 30 right now. But again, the age thing doesn't matter as much with pitchers. I mean, we just saw Verlander at what, 39 years old coming off TJ post like a one set. Was it one seven five ERA? Yeah. I mean, just insane. Like, so pitchers are proving they can pitch longer and deeper in their career. So uh, that age doesn't worry me with Brandon Woodruff a bit. Even if he's 33, I still think he'll be really, really good. Similar can be said for Aaron Nola, who's coming next here. I like Nola a lot. I don't have any qualms with him. I think he's the kind of profile that ages pretty well, too. And so Nola, he's been really good. He's been steady. I think he's still a dude. And this is a counterpart, George Kirby, who we've kind of comped him to. Eric started that comp a while back. But I've got George Kirby pretty high here, and I think that he will be one that is going to be really good for a long time. I think he's primed for a breakout this year. And the crazy thing is that I think he can still get him at an affordable cost. Like, you know, he's ranked fairly high in dynasty rankings, but I think that that value is only going to rise. So I have Kirby. And as I'm doing this, I'm also realizing that I have 11 on the sheet because I have 11 outfielders and pitchers right by. It's actually an 11 pitcher. So I'm sorry about that. But Green was technically 11, Tiedemann 10, et cetera. But next is Sandy Alcantara. I mean, durable as they get. I don't care if he doesn't strike out 30% of batters. I mean, he's going to throw, he threw 228 innings last year. Nobody was even close to that. 
And we forget sometimes that we don't play in a K per nine league or a K percent league. Doesn't matter because if you get volume, he's going to get the strikeouts. So I'm still in on Alcantara long term. I think he's going to be really good for a really long time. As with anybody here, I have Spencer Strider next. That's my number four. Strider, I mean, he was so good last year. I don't really need to just ramble off the stats about how good he was. I've done that enough on here. He's elite. I don't really see, even with regression, I still think he's a top pitcher. He's still an ace. I've Shane McClanahan, number three. Again, the arsenal is insane. The whiff rates on the pitches, so good. The health concerns that I have about him right now, probably not going to be an issue in three years. So I think Shane Mack is still up there. I have Andrew Painter, too. Might be absolutely insane, but I just think what Andrew Painter did last year, just insane for a 19-year-old. I think he's going to break camp with the Phillies. I really do. He's going to be 19 on opening day, which is just nuts to even consider. I don't know, man. I just think that Andrew Painter is an ace, and I think he's going to be a top pitcher in baseball. But I have Corbin Burns at one, as I alluded to. I don't really think much changes in three years for Burns. Still think he's a top guy at 31 that he is today. So, yeah, it's quite a good group here of arms. And I think pitchers, for fantasy, in really good hands. So just go review that again. I had Hunter Green at 11. Sorry, had an extra guy. Ricky Tiedemann at 10. Grayson Rodriguez, Brandon Woodruff, Aaron Nola, George Kirby. Top five of Sandy Alcantara, Spencer Strider, Shane McClanahan, Andrew Painter, and Corbin Burns. Any parting thoughts as we go, Eric? Now, it's a, as my voice is going even more, wow. Now, I have no parting thoughts because I sound like crap. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Sorry, I shouldn't have sent it to you. But again, we want to thank everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We love doing these kind of shows. These are a blast. These are always a fan favorite, too. We love getting the response from you guys. Feel free to tweet at us. Comment who you think may be a top guy that we may not have talked about. Feel free to do that. Comment on the, the tweet with the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review. As we said at the beginning of the show, it does go a really long way to continue to grow our show as we continue to hope to have our best year yet. We're already off to a great start. We've had a great January and February. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you for all the support. We appreciate you. In the meantime, take care. Yeah.